Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, we begin the service with this passage. I want us to read it together. Today, we're going to be reflecting on our weekend, last weekend, walking in the supernatural with our friends, Reverend Mosi and Gloria Madaba. And we're going to reflect on, I'm just going to share some of the highlights that uh, impacted me. And my goal today is as I share, I'm praying that there will be impartation for those in this room, for those online, and that you'll think about the things that impacted you. I'm going to share, this isn't all that God did, but I'm going to reflect on it and share some of what God did. And we're taking time today because the spiritual practice of reflection actually helps us to capture learning, it helps us to remember, and it helps us to give thanks. It also helps us to respond to what the Lord is saying and doing. So we need to be a people who take time to reflect, to pay attention to what the Lord is doing. I like to do that in journaling. I also do that in dialogue with others, and I do that in my own prayer closet. So however you do it, I just encourage you to be a person who takes time. That should be, there are spiritual practices that are are daily, weekly, and occasional. And reflection is actually one of my most frequent spiritual practices. And again, I do it different ways, but I pray that we'll be a people who pay attention and who are aware and who are growing in what God is saying and doing. Isaiah 64, 1 to 4. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and to cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard No ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. As we entered into the past weekend, we actually spent many months praying into the weekend. We prayed for a fresh release, for release of the Luke 4.18 anointing that God had shared and prophesied in the movement that we're a part of that God wanted to do for the whole earth, not just for our church and the movement that we're a part of, but that God wanted to release a fresh anointing of his Holy Spirit and bring us into our destiny regarding Luke 4.18 with healing, salvation, deliverance, and encouragement. And we also prayed for the conference that it would be a time, it would be a time for new levels of faith, anointing, and empowerment from this apostolic team with whom we've had relationships since 1990. And so here's some of my reflections, and I hope that you'll again be stirred and prompted to think of your own reflections. We actually have the audio from Sunday mornings online. We're hoping early this week to have the video and the audio online for the Saturday sessions as well. So that'll be early this week so that you can can find those on our website or on our YouTube channel. And so the first thing is rain. Rain. I can't tell you the number of times 
when the Lord, he, he does a sign in the natural to affirm or to get our attention, say, look at what I'm doing in the spiritual. This has been true that we've had conferences or we've had events, and then either during the event or after the event, it's rained. As a matter of fact, we were doing one conference down at Encourager Church, a spiritual awakening conference, and it rained so hard during the conference that the roads flooded uh, in greater Houston, and we weren't sure we are going to be able to get home. And so rain is something. And so we've been praying for God to break the drought, We've been praying for God to move. And then on Monday morning, if you got up, there was this little thing, this little trickle of rain. It was like a sprinkle. And I'm going, Lord, that's, that's not usual. I mean, where, where's the real rain? And, and I ran an errand. I was coming back for some evening meetings. And uh, I looked up, and there was a big bank of dark blue clouds coming our way. And we have a banner out front that we communicate to people what's where are some of the highlights coming? And I went into Joshua. I said, Joshua, I think we need to take the banner down. I think it's about to storm. And about 4.50 p.m., the heavens opened, and it rained, and it soaked everything. Again, you can't make this stuff up. You just look back, and you go, that's one of the confirming things that God does here in the midst of our body, and he does that in an amazing way. On Sunday, Reverend Mosey said, today I just feel like we should cry out like Isaiah, rend the heavens, pour out the rain, pour out the fire. And then uh, Reverend Mosey asked Joshua to come and lead us at the end of the service. And here's what Joshua is saying. He said, as we rend our hearts, would you rend the heavens? As we look to you, may you shine your glory. Let your fire fall, let your wind blow, let your glory come down. And so I can't tell you, our master strategist just orchestrates things like comments and song and prayer, and then the rains came. And that's just something. And so what we do is we praise the Lord for that. We can't make it happen. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens so many times. And we really felt like this was a significant weekend. And then it was like a kiss from heaven. And the Lord affirmed and confirmed what was happening. So rain. Reflecting back on last weekend, it was a weekend of new beginnings. On Monday during intercession, one of our faithful members, Meshach, prayed this. He said, in Joshua chapter 6, they'd been marching around Jericho. Then there was the climax day, the final day, because that was the day of the shift. And if you'll remember on Sunday morning, uh, at the end of the service, Gloria came up and she blew the shofar eight times, declaring eight is actually the sign of new beginnings. And she talked about a shift. And so we prayed, and, and we prayed that, that Monday night and said, we receive from you, O Lord, with thanksgiving, the crushing of the walls of Jericho. And thank you, Father, for the change. Blessed be your name for the shift. Blessed be your name for this season. We worship, we rejoice, we go forward and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Because again, it's a season. I, not only did God come and confirm, it was something very significant for us, but it was a, a season of new beginnings. And then Joshua just is really an anointed. He, he sings prophetically and gets things. After Meshach finished praying, he's saying it's a new day. It's a new hour. It's a new beginning. And so we say yes. 
We fix our gaze on you, the one who moves mountains, the one who splits the seas. We fix our eyes on you, the one who shatters the cedars, and we say yes to you, the God of Jacob. And then we pray, Lord, pour out your spirit. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven and let it rain. So there was rain, new beginnings, and then fire, and then fire. So on Sunday morning, as Reverend Mosey was preaching, he talked about the anointing of the fire of God that manifest at the burning bush. It manifested on Mount Sinai when the law was given. It manifested at Mount Carmel in Elijah's day, the fire of revival. And then he mentioned several other times that fire was manifested. And uh, then he mentioned the Spirit of God coming on the the 120 disciples who were available in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, and the fire of God came, and it was visible. It was actually reality resting on their heads. And so that was a theme from Sunday morning. Well, at lunch, we had a lunch as elders, staff, and spouses with Reverend Mosey and Gloria, And uh, Pastor Steve shared a dream that he had that morning before the message. And he had a dream where he saw uh, Reverend Mosey speaking on Sunday morning from the pulpit, and he saw fire going out from his mouths and lighting on all of us in the congregation individually. And so he just shared that picture because as the message is going on, it's a this is that kind of word, amen? Amen because he was sensing what God was doing and saying that confirmation. And we're so glad that God speaks. Amen. We're so glad that God gives revelation and confirmation. Then something that I thought about as, as we were reflecting on the fire of God, you know, the, the known nations of the world were present in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, there were representatives, Jewish representatives, from every known nation, and the Scripture is really clear to identify the nations that were present. So it was an incredible diversity of people from all over that were in Jerusalem on that day. Now, Jesus had said, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I go away, I'll send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to you, the Comforter. And so the disciples, that kind of shook their understanding and worldview because how is it our advantage that you go away, you're going to send another one? And the revelation of that wasn't clear to them. But on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came just like Jesus said, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, verse 5, he says, remain in Jerusalem, tarry there, pray, and wait for the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so Jesus told them, told us, and on this day, God comes. Now think about this. When Jesus was ministering, he ministered a number of times in Jerusalem during his three and a half year ministry, a number of times, and just didn't see very many converts there. It was like a stronghold. It was It was a place, there was a lot of interaction, there was a lot that went on every time he went, and it was a a place that was was hard, And uh, but when the Holy Spirit gets poured out, what happens on that day? 3,000 people, men, get saved, more women and children. And so 
there was something that happened. The Holy Spirit comes, and, and John the Baptist prophesied, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's going to pour out the Spirit so that we're, we have the Spirit of God living in us, and now we have victory over our depravity and over our brokenness, and, and we're led by the Spirit of Christ, and God himself lives in us, and this advantage it, it was so important to John the Baptist that when he didn't see it with his own eyes and he's sitting in jail, he actually sends his disciples to go ask Jesus, are you the one? Because the Father had shown him, God had showed him that, that the anointed one, Jesus, the Messiah, was going to, his most important thing was to baptize us. Well, one of the most important things is to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and then with his fiery passion. You could look back in the Old Testament and you could see men and women of passion, right? You could see just a few people on whom the Spirit rested and stayed with them and didn't just come on them for moments. And, and John the Baptist knew that that was the game changer. Now, 2,000 years later, we take the Holy Spirit for granted. I actually, in my tradition, we actually taught that the Bible was the third person of the Trinity. And we didn't know how to welcome the Holy Spirit. We didn't know how to, to be aware of the Spirit of Christ ministering. But when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it shook the city. And then what did it do? It touched the nations because those people went back and, and there were Christians. There were, the mission field was scattered with good seed. And, and some of the places that, that Paul goes, he goes and he sees a work that's already happening in some of these areas. Just amazing what the Lord did. We happen to live in the most diverse city in the United States. We need an outpouring of fire, an outpouring of the Spirit like this, not upon just Calvary, but upon the church throughout greater Houston because as it impacts Houston, so it impacts the world. We have more, and this was years ago, the statistics. I don't know where they are now, but we, we used to have, we have annually more than 7 million visitors to our medical center and many of them from around the earth and the nations. I believe, depending on what numbers you read, we have between 250 and 330 college students in Houston. Many of them are from the nations. And so what they need is to get an infection of the Holy Spirit and to encounter God's people who are men and women of fiery passion that they could carry that back and it would change their people groups around the earth from this city. And so we're praying. We're praying that we would see a regional shift here like they did on the day of Pentecost. And it's not just for us, but it's for God's purposes both in greater Houston and beyond. And we're praying that the fiery result of this transformation would touch the nations and would touch the nations here in this city and then back home and across the earth, from here across the earth. And then as we were praying, Joshua is saying, let his fire burn within us. Let it go from here to the nations for your glory. Let this fire burn in us. Oh, let it burn. Isn't the Holy Spirit a great prayer leader? He just puts things together and he tracks it. And then breakthrough, breakthrough. So it was a day of, a day of rain. It was a, a day of, of new beginnings. It was a day of, of breakthrough. We had a breakthrough that weekend. And for many of us, stagnation was actually broken off of us. 
Jay prayed and shared about a breakthrough when we, when we prayed on Monday night. He said, this Sunday was a day of breakthrough, and we, we are called to add our value wherever we go. And then uh, God gave us a word several years ago through Joshua Rushing, our, our worship pastors. He was, as we were praying about the word for the year, about full partnership and deep intimacy. And this, this word has just been ruminating and continuing to cook inside Jay. And he just kept coming back to, we claim full partnership and deep intimacy. That's a victory that you've won for us. And also this mindset, he said, as business as usual, has been broken off of us by the living Lord. And so we're praying for grace to go into the land and possess all the promises that God has for us. And then we had a prophetic word years ago that said, there are giants that you have defeated, but you don't even know it. And that's in our prophetic sheet that we pray. And we're praying that we would be aware that God has already fought and won battles in our midst and given us victory. But what the enemy does is he deceives and he brings darkness, and also he inspires or helps inspire disbelief, which is choosing not to believe. And I was watching an interview not too long ago of one of the most famous atheists in the earth today, and in the interview and in this conversation with a believer, they were sharing, and, and God was just present in the conversation. And there was this, it was a good, respectful conversation, and, and finally, you know, because uh, this guy just didn't have any more defenses for is there a God or not, the guy just looked at him and said, what is the real reason that you refuse to believe in God with all the evidence that we've talked about today and all these things? And this man was so honest. He said, if I admit there is a God, then I'm accountable to him and I want to be accountable to no one to no one. And so that thing of disbelief in Hebrews that actually calls an, an evil heart of unbelief, where we actually see what God's doing and we choose to disbelieve. That's an evil heart of unbelief. It's in our culture, but it's also fueled and fed by the demonic and, and by our own brokenness. And, and at least this guy was honest enough because if you admit that there's a God we might be responsible to him, the creator, and to align with his ways. Lord, I'm praying across our nation today and across our city that there would be a revelation that you are real, and Lord, that we need you, and that people will have a clear opportunity to say yes and receive you. And so there's giants that God has brought down, and then just some of the breakthroughs that Gloria prophesied over us, she prophesied that we're a people of one thing. Well, y'all know that's one of our heartbeats, right? Intimacy with God. We want to establish people in intimacy with God. We need to come to a place of hunger and thirst for the presence of God. In Exodus 33, 5, uh, 33, uh, 15, Moses actually said, Lord, if you don't send your presence with us, if your presence doesn't go with us, then don't send us out because how will they know we're the people of God? And so there's this thing in Scripture, you know, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. There's this passion. There's this longing. Psalm 24, David says, you know, this one thing I ask. And he actually asked for three things, right? He said, you know, I want to dwell in your presence. I want to behold your glory. 
And, and, and he, he just shares his heart and expresses the longing of his heart. We're called to be a merry people who learn to sit at the feet of Jesus and abide there. And Jay went on and said, empower us to be a people who walk in one thing. And then we say yes to being a both and people, a people who can fix our eyes on you and who can walk in fresh fire. And we say yes to being a blessing fire carriers to others. And so we say yes to deep intimacy and full partnership. And we say that corporately. Corporately, we say yes to deep intimacy and full partnership. We say yes and amen. Amen? Did y'all hear my granddaughters excited about the message? I heard that. A witness from heaven. Or she might be hungry. I don't know. Probably that. Then alignment, then alignment. On Thursday morning, Marlene prayed, Lord, we see some of what you're doing. We rejoice in what you've done, and we pray into what you're continuing to do. We don't despise the day of small things. Thank you that you're showing us that you can do anything. And we want to align with what, you, what you're doing. And then she prayed and said, who am I? I'm nothing, but I'm your partner to fulfill your purposes in the earth. And we don't look to ourselves, we look to the God who created all things. Help our faith to arise, help us. God, we leak of faith. Lord, we need you and love you. And we declare that our weak love is still true love, alignment. And we've been talking about alignment in here, that we want to align our lives with the way of Jesus and get in action as Jesus directs, alignment. We needed this past weekend to help realign, to help us to align and so one of the reasons why I enjoy corporate prayer, God speaks in corporate prayer. I take notes because there's things that God is saying and doing there uh, that it's just amazing how the master strategist is weaving all these things and things together. Another reality that happened last weekend was a shift. There, the Lord did something to shift the atmosphere over us and to shift us into a new gear. And, and Gloria actually shared several times at the beginning of the message, she said, she said this, she said, I sense very strongly that there's a shift over Calvary, and we are here to release that shift. And uh, then she talked about how on Saturday, they talked about how to love and walk in the supernatural, and you have to have access and host the presence of God in your life, according to Psalm 91.1. We need to come to that place of hunger and thirst for his presence. And then she said this, you need to come to, you need to be a blessing to your world and walk in the supernatural. Look, look for opportunities to add value wherever you are. Your life is to be a channel of blessing to your generation. Look for opportunities to serve God and to serve others. Your value in life is not a material possessions, but in the number of souls to whom you add value. And then she prayed that God would wake up the sleeping giant that's inside of us to help us to move in the supernatural. She actually said, there's a lion inside of you made up of the gifts, talents, and potentials in you. And so everywhere we're to go, we're to be this blessing, this aroma of life. Jesus declares over you and me that we are salt and light. Salt is supposed to bring out the God flavors. It's an influencer, right? Light influences. No matter how dark it is, just a small candle, it, it pushes back the darkness. 
But so many believers, their lives are like a thread. I'm just holding on for dear life. I'm just holding on until God comes and rescues me and gets me out of here. Listen, in your neighborhood, you plus Jesus is a majority in the supernatural. At your workplace, in that office of five, 10,000 people in that office building, the, one of the reasons why God put you there was to claim it for the kingdom of God, not to dominate it and take it over, but to welcome. We're in the ministry of worship and welcome. We worship the Lord that displaces the enemy, and then we welcome. Let your kingdom come and your will be done here as it is in heaven, and our lives become an aroma and we're not there to take over. We're there to say, King Jesus, you created this business or this company or this, 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 this school or this office. You had purpose and plans when it was created. May it fulfill your divine, your divine purposes. And so your life counts. Everywhere you go, your life counts. And I've joked, I know you're praying on the freeways. That's good. Keep praying. Your life counts, and you better pray on the freeways in Houston right now. But your life counts. In this season, Jay went on to say, it's a season of open heavens. It's a season of new beginnings. He said, I just kept hearing that theme as we reflected about the weekend. And I heard them connecting breakthrough and fire with this new season. And then this, this connection to deep intimacy and full partnership, that was just emphasized again God is doing a confirming work and a new work. He's confirming that what he's been doing is we're on the right track, and he wants to take us to new levels of anointing, of grace, of breakthrough, and beginning. And then Debbie prayed that Thursday morning. We thank you for the, the word about the supernatural. We want to be your priests who declare and manifest your kingdom. We want to be a people who have a yes in our spirit. We say yes to the Lord. And you know, we can actually grow in our ability to say yes to the Lord. You practice by saying yes, right? A lot of times our first reaction to the Lord is hesitance, right? Or sometimes it's just no. Hey, would you do that? No. Um, hey, would you, would, let, let's work on this area. Mm, no. But the Lord wants us to be a people who have a, Jesus, it says of him, he has a willing spirit, a willing spirit. A default, yes. And even at the Garden of Gethsemane, where it was the strongest battle, aren't you glad that his yes won out? And he said yes to the Father's will and said yes to the divine plan. And then Margaret prayed something powerful. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26. Hebrews 12, 26. Again, a part of what I'm doing is trying to remind us of what God did last weekend. I want to stir up your faith. I want to stir up your awareness. There was so much that was said and done. Sometimes we don't, we don't even know what all was happening. And this is just, I'm just skimming the surface. And uh, I, I want to stir up grace for you to take time to say, Lord, what did you do in me? What did you do in me? And, and, you know, you find my notes online from this message. You can look at that. Was that for me? Or did you have other things that you were doing? There's the mystery of God's word being spoken, the Holy Spirit ministering and moving. Sometimes I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, after about the second sentence that you spoke this morning, God spoke to me, and I didn't, have, I didn't hear another word you said. But that's good, isn't it? Because they were chewing and they were mulling. They missed a great sermon, I'm sure. But, but the most important thing was that God was speaking to them, and they were responding. 
Hebrews 12, 26. At that time, his voice shook the heavens, shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The word once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And in this season, the Lord is bringing us into Luke 4.18, in this new season, in this season of shifting, Margaret prayed, may our feet be firmly planted in you. May we hear your voice leading us. May we walk together in the bonds of peace. She prayed for the bond of unity of the spirit of peace. And then she prayed and asked the Lord to cut off backbiting. And may we hear this new teaching, hear you rejoice in what you're unfolding and thank you for what you're doing. Faith. Faith was another part of our reflection. We received an impartation of faith. When you're around apostolic and prophetic people, and they told stories, right? They shared with us what God was doing. It just hits you and your faith starts rising. That's why we need to tell our stories. Amen? That's why we need to share, this is what God's doing in my life. And we don't have to wait on the finished product just to begin to say, this is what I'm aware. God's putting his finger on this. Or maybe God's put his finger on this and given me victory. Or this is my current reality. I'm not even sure what my preferred future is yet, but here's God's touching me and, and saying he wants to help me or teach me or, 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 or help me in this area. So there was an impartation of faith. And the Lord stirred up fresh faith. And we want to thank, we want to thank you, Lord, for fresh winds of faith. And Father, I pray that we'll not just have belief in the Bible and just agree with your words. I pray we'll take action. You know, faith in the biblical understanding is not just agreeing with information. If you believe that airplanes can fly in a biblical sense, that means you buy a ticket and you go sit down in an airplane and let it take you somewhere. Just simply saying, I believe airplanes can fly, but not acting on it is not true biblical belief in the sense of, just intellectual ascent. And then finally, I want to close with this one, the soldier and warrior. Soldier and warrior. We're actually called, according to 1 Timothy 6.12, we're called to fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. In Psalm 110, verse 3, Scripture declares that his troops will be willing on his day of battle. There's that yes again, that willingness. The Scripture says in Ephesians 6.12 that our our Battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, and against the powers of this dark world, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so we need to learn how to fight with the spiritual weapons and to fight in the spiritual battles that God has called us to fight. And we do it not with natural weapons, but with spiritual weapons. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and 5, 3 through 5, for we, though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so there's a war. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, we're actually called soldiers of Christ. 
Again, Psalm 110 is actually the most quoted psalm in all the New Testament. And and verse 3 says, in your day of battle, your troops will be willing. Well, a day of battle means there's soldiers involved. But so many Christians lose perspective. Our battle, our enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not the people that we see. It's the spiritual realm. It's what's going on behind the scenes. And that's where we've got to learn to use the weapons of our warfare that are divinely powerful and strong. And so how do we fight these battles? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 149. 149. This passage is just is, is just profound. Psalm 149, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, His praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with the tambourine and the harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in dishonor and sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his saints. Verse 5, look at that again. Let the saints rejoice in this honor. What honor? That the Lord is our maker, that the Lord has created us for his name, that the Lord takes delight in you and me. What an honor that is. It's looking backward at this testimony of song and joy, but it also looks ahead to this honor to carry out the written sentence against them. The Lord has spoken things in his word, and the word is one of our primary weapons of warfare against the enemy in spiritual places, is to say, this is what the Lord has declared. This is what the Lord is doing. And so it says, let the saints rejoice in this honor that the Lord takes delight in me, and that I actually am a part of the advancing kingdom of God against spiritual forces of darkness, wickedness, and evil in the heavenly realms. One of the things that was prayed is God wants to break off of some of us a passive spirit in regards to spiritual warfare and spiritual realities. In Matthew eleven twelve, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcibly advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. So the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing against, against what? Against demons, principalities, powers, against these, these, this structure in the heavenlies. It's actually advancing. Jesus said that the gates of hell will not withstand the advancing of his church. And so The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing against demons, against darkness, and against that disbelief that I talked about, according to the scripture in Ephesians 6, 12. And then the scripture also tells us in 1 John 3, verse 8, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus himself demonstrated the power and victory over the enemy through healing, deliverance, salvation, through wholeness. And in response to what the Lord is doing, 
the enemy schemes and fights. So it says forceful men lay hold of it. So there's opposition. The advance of the kingdom of God, there is an opposer. There is an adversary, but his power has been so broken. But what is his weapon? He can actually deceive us and blind us to the truth of what God is doing for our lives, for our cities, for this world. And so the weapons that he fights with, this deception, this depravity, this disbelief, I want you to know God has better weapons, better weapons. And so regarding spiritual matters, some of us just need to move today from passivity. We need to move to proactivity, to proactivity. There, there are actually two ditches in spiritual warfare. One is presumption and one is passivity. When we presume, oh, I'm going to go take that mountain and, and you know, that, that's my mountain and God didn't give us that assignment. Or we're just passive. God's trying to get us up and get us energized and get us willing. And we say, no, that shame voice tells us, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. The, the disbelief voice says, hey, choose somebody else. I can't do that. He wants to break off of us that passivity and proactivity and just help us to be responsibly available. Amen. So we want to stay in step with the Spirit of God. So in this time of reflection, I've just highlighted a few. Some of you are going, well, there's more than a few. Well, it was eight. It was eight. Eight things that the Lord did at our conference last weekend. So I want you to take what I shared. I want you to spend time reflecting and praying with the Lord. What is he saying to you? I, I talked about what he's saying to us and to some of us. What's he saying to you? And I want to encourage you to capture the learning, to remember, to give thanks, and then to respond to what he's saying and doing. Amen? So I wrote all that and, and was getting ready for today, and a friend of ours, Carolyn Vosberg, sent me an email, and she said in three sentences what took me all that time to say. She said, this is from my prayer chair, Luke 10, 24, for I tell you many prophets and kings long to see what you see, and they did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. And then, behold, I'm bringing my bride, my church, into a new season of breakthrough. Let not your heart be troubled by what you see or hear in the news, for I'm in control of all. Be at peace, lean into me, and hear my heart. Bring your heart into alignment with my heart and my purposes for the season, and you'll see my victory in the midst of chaos. You'll be an overcomer as you put your trust in me. Isn't that a great way to finish? Let's stand. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.